Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Cinefix Top 100, the silent era motion picture studio that fired us before we got a chance to watch 100 of the greatest movies of all time. I'm Clint Gage, joining me as always, Cinefix's very own invisible swords person, Alex Stedman. How you doing? I'm good. Hello, amigo. Great. Yeah. Is the answer to the question (laughs) that you didn't ask me. That was rude of me. And you're honestly, yeah. Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, the singing bush. Michael Calabra. How you I'm doing, Cal? I'm the singing bush. You're the singing That's bush That's a compliment. All right. <laughs> I'll take it. You're one of the funniest parts of a really classic movie. Yeah. It yeah. is. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congratulations Oh, Randy that. Newman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here we are once again, and uh, we are in season two, the community season of the Cinefix Top 100, um, which, you know, thanks to Dan's algorithm getting smarter is, uh, I, I don't know, were we worried about sentience with dan's algorithm i don't know if it's not if it's picking the three amigos me i, mean, <laughs> I think that would scare you yeah <laughs> i think i can outsmart it still well uh, building off of the seven samurai this week of course we got a another masterpiece oh jamie <laughs> um so building off the seven samurai of course we have another masterpiece dealing with the idea of community with Three Amigos, as evidenced by the lovely centerpiece here, which we forgot to mention. This is one thing that I, I'm going to get out of the way right up top. We forgot to mention last week the cool centerpiece that our producer Tayo made, which was a rad samurai sword yeah, in a and little holder. holder. This week, we've got literally three Amigos. It's so amazing. good. It's great. I'm taking these home with me, by the way. We should all take one. We're, we'll, we'll, we decide, we'll decide we later. We can't split <laughs> up the Amigos. I, we can't yeah. split up the Amigos. Oh, that's true. I, I, that's my least favorite of them. And then I'll, uh, yeah. I'll mail them to you guys and we can all take turns. Oh. But, you but. can have them on Mondays, Wednesdays, and alternating <laughs> Saturdays. <laughs> Alex can have them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I could have it on Sundays. The point is, <laughs> we're going to get lawyers to hash this out yeah. for us. Thank God. Um, but yes, the three Amigos. Now, I, I think uh, I can have... Let me get a little confession and or apology or explanation. I'm not exactly I sure what this is out, out of the way up front. I, uh, in the conversation about this, you know, favorite versus best, kind of, that, you, that we, we have a lot. Like, this movie is very much on the favorite end of the spectrum for me. I dearly love this movie. <laughs> it's, like, to the point where every Christmas... I try to give a family member a sweater so that when they open it, we can all yell, it's a sweater. <laughs> and there's a musical theater unit that I did in high school. This would have been 96, 97, something like that, where uh, me and another guy did the whole My Little Buttercup 
routine for my musical theater unit that year. That's incredible. Plethora was the first like big word that I learned because of this movie. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, anytime I'm trying to get anybody's attention, usually I start with look up here, look up here. (laughs) It's just this movie is in my brain and it has been since I, since the beginning of time, as far as I can tell. Um, So that's where I'm at with three Migos. (laughs) Just want to, Clear that up. Well, I feel like we're all going to have those, though. Like, I feel like we haven't had too many of them, but I I have a Three Amigos on my list. Like, I have more than a few Three Amigos on my list. It's well, I mean, that's the great thing about movies is everybody has a movie like that. Three Amigos. Um, Elf is maybe. Oh, Anchorman is probably like the most the the closest parallel. Anchorman, we're going to talk about at some point. Yeah, look forward to that. Anchorman spoilers, but Anchorman's on my list, so that means it's on there. So it's wait, it's on your. Okay, great. (laughs) Well, listen, we're spoiling. We are uh, doing too many spoilers right now. Yeah, a little bit at the end, but um, I mean, where do you guys where do you guys come down? Because I get this is another going to be another one of those things where like you know, the movies that you respond to like this are very telling of the generation, the year you were born, basically. Like I was four when this, when I saw this movie for the first time, I think. Um, so it's just always been with me, but what, what is your experience with three amigos? Uh, I watched this for the first time for this Oh, and, good. and Clint, don't you dare apologize. You, you've I run into a couple of those. I have, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Like I like discovering things and this, like, I, I couldn't believe how funny I found this movie. Like, especially with someone for someone with no nostalgia for it. Like I was just watching it alone, just like cracking up at certain points. And I did not expect to enjoy it that much. And I don't know if I just needed to turn my, my brain off for a second, mm-hmm. but like, I don't know. This movie is real. I, f- I find it delightful. I'm yeah, so glad I, we're talking about it. I watched it. it again by myself with some beer in my hotel room last night. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. Fucking great. It's great. You can just like, and it, it's like, I don't know if it's one of the 100 best movies of all time. By any sure. I yeah, can yeah. assure you yeah, it's yeah. not. But like, I don't know. I, I will probably watch it again, maybe with a little marijuana. But like, I, I will watch it. Like, like it, I, I loved it. Cal, what's your history with Three Amigos? Uh, it's a it's a dad it's a dad fave for sure, right? <laughs> like you know, my dad's like Mike, come on down, like come downstairs. I'm like, Dad, what's up? He's like, Three Amigos is on Comedy Central. I'm like, <laughs> such a on Comedy Central kind of movie like, too. I'm like, all right, like in fairness, like I love Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, and Martin Short. I'm not the biggest fan of the Western genre, and. This movie is funny, but it is not something that I would go out of my way to watch. Oh. Not a plethora of times? Ah, not a plethora of times. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't even think I've seen it a plethora of times. This may be like the fourth time yeah. I've seen it. Like I got two cable viewings and watched it maybe once on DVD. That's still, that's a fair amount of times though. Yeah, but to I watch. stopped watching like DVDs like 15 years yeah. ago. Yeah. Physical media is yeah, dead. It's dead. It's over. It's so over. I'm a, I'm a dead men don't wear plaid kind of guy. Are you really? Yeah. I love that movie. Okay. All right. Well, uh, speaking of dead men don't wear a plaid, let's get straight into the pedigree of this and, and some of the folks that worked on it. So, I mean, it's a 1986 uh, directed by John Landis, written by Lauren Michael, Steve Martin, and Randy Newman. Randy Newman. Which is wonder. <laughs> it's the only writing credit of his entire career, as far as I as, can tell. As a, as a screenwriter. Screenwriter. So he random. has written things. He's written a handful of other things, that songs, you might I believe. Have heard of. <laughs> yeah. uh, I believe he's got a friend in me. Um, <laughs> But uh, no, Randy, this is his only screenwriting credit of his, his entire career. And like, there, there is a, 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 Martin Short and Steve Martin were on 
Conan O'Brien's podcast recently. I think they were talking about um, their uh, only murders in the building, but it, they talked about Randy Newman wrote the uh, funniest, his favorite line. He he wrote the "It's a Sweater" line, yeah. which is Steve Martin's favorite line. It's a really good line. <laughs> the entire movie was Randy Newman's line. So it wasn't just the lyrics to the song that somehow snuck his way into getting the because uh, he wrote the the couple of songs that are in there too, but. Um, but as the movie was in development for a little while, I mean, it was long enough to go through this, like who's who of comedy names in the seventies and eighties, like Belushi and Aykroyd and Bill Murray, like at one point or another, they were all almost amigos. Yeah. If you became famous through SNL or second city in the late seventies or early eighties, you were probably attached to this. Candy was a nut. John Candy was, was almost. Couldn't ride a horse. He was too big for a horse. So sad. I know. Um, but he was the one that recommended Martin Short though. Because of their SCTV oh. history together, which which is great. Eugene Martin Levy Short probably would not have worked as an amigo. Probably not. <laughs> he he would have because he's yeah. hilarious. But didn't Martin Short get SNL out of this? Did he? I I, I think I remember that could be very wrong. He went straight from this to like inner space. Yeah. Um. So like he was he was doing he was big enough on his own to get to get other work. Yeah. True. I, that, I think this was past the the SNL. Oh, you, you might be right. Yeah. Um, but he was an SCTV guy. Yeah. yeah, that's where the what's his name with the hair, the guy that had he had the the character that was just like the hair was pointing like straight up. Oh, yeah. what was his name? Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, but that's getting weirdly ahead of ourselves. Steve Martin, like at this point, um, Ed Grimley, yes, was that guy's name? Thank you, Slack. Um, Steve Martin was uh, the dude. He, it's easy to forget that he was like selling out stadiums as a stand-up yeah. in the, in the seventies. Like he was enormous before he was on Saturday night live. And like, he was the, his record, his comedy records were huge. He made um, some really funny movies. Mm-hmm. The jerk. Yeah. It, I do like the jerk. The jerk in 79. Yeah. He had the, the early mid eighties, I think prior to three amigos were kind of, I mean, that's where the dead men don't, don't wear plaid. Lives. I still don't. I like, I just like that movie. Cause I just don't understand who thought that was a great idea. Yeah. So this is a movie where he literally, he used footage from yeah. film noir movies, movies and cut himself into, into it, it and like rewrote a script so that like, so, how have I not talking, seen that one? He's talking to other, it's, it's, yeah, a, so it's he that play, sounds hilarious. So like he plays a detective and there's like an on running bit in it, right? Where he gets, that's all of the scenes where Humphrey Bogart is on a phone in like the forties and like the, yeah. like the big sleep and stuff like that. And he, the way he taught, like he just writes the other side of the conversation and he just like writes Humphrey Bogart as this like drunk, <laughs> like incompetent. <laughs> and he's just like trying to talk to him and just be like, I thought I told you to do, you yeah. know, whatever. And it's just like in the 1980s where people didn't have access to the internet or any of that stuff. The fact that he's just like, I'm going to recut these obscure film noirs into a comedy for mass release. It's just like, that's like, I'm at the top of my game. Oh, yeah. I can literally do anything I want because yeah. this is the most niche of niche ideas. It was him and Rob Reiner being like, you know, it'd be funny. Yeah. And then they made that movie. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, is this your favorite Steve Martin movie? It's certainly my favorite era of Steve yeah. Martin. I think it's the high point of his career. I think I would I would say because like 86, 87, you've got Three Amigos, you got Little Shop of Horrors. And then in 87, you have Roxanne, which I love, which is the Cyrano de Bergerac. Have you ever seen it? It's yeah, yeah. a firefighter with a long nose. And yeah. it's, it's wonderful. Uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels were all in 1987. Utter That's a hell, like, of that a, hell of a hell of a year. 
Um, so like, I, I don't think that there's any, any shame in not topping that sense or, or frankly, even I think, I think in recent years he's, he's, I mean, he's done plenty of funny things because, you know, parenthood was great. And like, he's, I mean, he's, I love Steve Martin. What about, he's awesome. what about my blue heaven? Come on. My it's blue the, heaven. The, yeah. the comedic sequel to Goodfellas. I love, I love <laughs> that the, uh, they wrote, um, the writers who are married. Nora Ephron. Nora and, Ephron. And, um, why am I blanking? Uh, uh, Pelegi? Yeah, Nicholas Pelegi. Yeah, they, hu- they were husband and wife at the time. They wrote My Blue Heaven, Heaven and Goodfellas based on that. the same source material. Yeah. <laughs> based on Pelegi's conversations yeah. with the real Henry Hill. Yeah, it's yeah. it's wonderful. Um, you dirty brat. But, <laughs> but I, I would argue that that this stretch for Steve Martin is, is the high watermark of his career. I mean, like, if you look at stretches for actors, like <laughs> it's got to be up there. Yeah. Um, and then Martin Short. We talked a little bit about Martin Short. Like he, he came out of SCTV. Inner Space was, which is Joe Dante. I, I loved Inner Space too. And I was this. There's this. This is my like, formative comedy. years mm-hmm. of comedy, and yeah. it was. Um, but you know, like I, I honestly might prefer Martin Short. Like I love the the like sweet innocent kind of thing that he does in this movie. But I honestly think I prefer like the sleazier Martin Short. When he goes sleep, like think about like Mars Attacks and even in Inherent Vice. He's good. Uh, oh, and in, like, like, do, you, do you remember when he was Uncle Jack in Arrested, Arrested Development? Development? Shoot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like that. It's such a bizarre character. character. Yeah. And like when he goes a little bit sleazy, I think yeah. he's I think he's he's really uh, very memorable. But he can do both, though. Yeah. He's really good as like the sweet, innocent little dude. And that's. Yeah. Like the story that he tells in this where he's like Dorothy Gish said that <laughs> the Dorothy You've, you have got it <laughs> and the, the kids are just like looking at him like <laughs> so um but anyway and, and the, the the steve martin and martin short the fact that they're they're still friends all these yeah. years later and still doing legit really good work only murders in the building is awesome um i still haven't watched it oh it's so, but i know it's so like the fun. thing that you need to watch i think right well now. i i mean you'll enjoy it now too like yeah. having seen three amigos but um and then there's chevy chase which like Turns out he's an asshole and nobody likes him now, uh, is, is the word on Chevy Chase. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, like, he, he was the only guy that got to say his name every week on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the first weekend update desk and he got to say, I'm Chevy Chase and that's news to me, I think was the... Um, yeah. Has Chevy, do you, do you, outside of Clark Griswold, is there a lot of Chevy Chase movies that resonate with you? Not as much. I don't think. Not as much as the other guys. No, definitely anyway. not, right? Like, Well, the weird thing is, I think this is maybe like one of my more liked roles of his. Like, because he always plays like the smug kind of jerk a lot of the time. But like him playing like the lovable idiot, I don't know. Like, but, I mean, you works. take Caddyshack, for example. Yeah. Like, I'll take Bill Murray and Rodney Dangerfield oh, and Caddyshack yeah. before I talk about Chevy Chase. Yeah. For sure. You know? Um, and then, but I mean, the vacation movies and, and Caddyshack and Fletch was, I, Fletch see, is pretty Fletch, good. Fletch is like in, at least in my mind, in like the three amigos round, it's like, Hey Mike, Fletch is on comedy yeah. central. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, There's nothing wrong with those kind I, of movies I, though. I, three, I, three amigos I, in terms of like Chevy Chaseness, like three amigos has the right dose of Chevy. Chevy. Yeah. yeah. And they, he's like counteractive cause he's so dumb. Right. So dumb. And you can like, you know, anything he says, you know, like they establish how dumb he is real fast. And anything he says in the movie, you're like, oh, he's, you know, it's because he's dumb. Um, and doing that with Chevy Chase, like that works great 
for him, I think. I mean, every other time where he's like like really smug or put upon or something like that, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not as into it. I know that's what I'm saying. Like I think I like this Chevy Chase. Yeah. Mr. Flugelman says you're not to come back on this lot, ever. And I guess the other the other guy that we can talk about uh, is John Landis, the director, yeah. mm-hmm. who, I mean, tell you, like the '80s for John Landis were wow. a trip. <laughs> or late '70s, so early late '70s 80s. into the early '80s. So like, like we're just rattling off the titles that he directed, uh, starting in Animal House of '79. Yep, Animal House. Blues Brothers, An American Werewolf in London, Trading Places, Three Amigos, Coming to America. Like, incredible run. Right in the middle of that mixed in the Twilight Zone movie, which was famously a helicopter stunt goes bad. Three people die. It's it. And that was just right smack in the middle of this run of movies for him. And I don't even know. And there was even like the uh, coming to America, like he got sued over as well because there was a guy that sued the studio because they stole the script or he sued. I think it was Paramount, but Paramount, they bought a spec script that was like the same years earlier. And then they made coming to America. And so he got, there was this run of, you know, between the twilight zone incident and like the trial that ensued over that, which was gnarly um and the 90s also weren't kind to john Landis. no but like the work i mean that string of of movies like you can put that up against anybody's any like that's a hell of a 10-year run yeah. with from animal house all the way through coming to america like tanner would be remiss if we also didn't talk about the thriller music video the thriller music video <laughs> right yeah yeah tanner our colleague needs us to point out that he directed the thriller music video um but so anyway i mean like Landis and, and there's some other I read a story too about about Chevy Chase and John Landis getting into a fight on the well, of course they did everyone fought with Chevy yeah Chase. yeah but but like Chevy Chase was talking about John Landis not being safe enough on like a live mic and oh. Landis heard it and this was there and like oh but that's you know, so it was dark when you think yeah, about and apparently they got into a big fight about it so like I don't know I mean Landis the work that he did in the 80s is like nearly unimpeachable right i mean american werewolf in london is probably the 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 one that you still talk about right just specifically for the practical effects of it all like i mean i still talk about blues brothers maybe that's the chicago one in me but it is yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) i think it i think yeah um i don't know either that or the car chase though yeah yeah right that or the the car chase enthusiast anyway probably probably which i can't argue with that um so anyway john john landis had a he had a he had a tough go there in the in the I don't even know how you make movies while going through all that. Like that's just so dark. He just like, he wasn't around for post on yeah. videos because of the uh I might be blowing a blowing a torf here, but he's uh he wasn't around for post that's, because of the trial that that came after um the Twilight Zone accident. Also so. also it was like the eighties. I guess like they didn't pay as much. Like actors were regularly making like three movies a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? We turn out more stuff like, yeah, you'll have a couple of duds, but you'll probably have more classics in right. the end, too. Yeah. But and then occasionally you'll have a year where you make um, Roxanne, Planes, Trains, Automobiles and Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. That That's is, an insane year. I don't only, think I've ever I put think, that together. I think the only thing that eclipses that is like Jim Carrey's yeah. 1994, yeah. It, which is Dumb and Dumber, The Mask and Ace Ventura. Yeah. Dear Lord. That all happened in one year. In, in a single year. Yeah. 
Yeah, I you know it. I don't think. Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think that trumps Jim Carrey's. But yeah, I mean, we can we can get into the brilliant moments. Yeah. Here, um, this now. Any any particular any particular moment you want to highlight in general? Because I have such a hard time talking about this movie objectively because I think every square inch of this film is hilarious. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the first time I really like. The, bust out laughing the like, intro. I, I, like i had it i had notes yeah like, oh that's for, yeah for, yeah like <laughs> that's how you know that just like everybody is like bringing their a game here because they, they hold like, it for like 15 seconds yeah and then they <laughs> cut it at the same time so whenever mm-hmm. like the first person get like started to give everybody was in tune on it to just be like and we're gonna yeah and wrap it and they wrap it in the shot too right it's not like they cut it yeah. it's not like they cut for the wrap of the of the sound yeah of the note that that high note that they just sustain for forever. Yeah, it's so it's. But it so, tells you what to expect because I didn't yeah. I didn't fully know what to expect and I was like, oh okay, this. Well, is, this is funny yeah. because you know you you're going into a, a western comedy with these three guys and it opens on them singing straight to camp basically. Yeah, like they're just singing this weird. <laughs> they're their in these outfits, like yeah, the outfits. You're like, wait a minute, <laughs> and then they they hang on to that note for a minute. I don't know. I don't know if it's officially a minute, but it is long. Really, it might be a minute. <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, and then it starts. And by the way, let's let's talk about the music right off the bat because mm-hmm. it's Elmer Bernstein, and it is this score is legit as they come. Yeah, I think this is an incredible piece of music throughout the entire movie. Like it's this big sweeping thing, um, and he like it lands the comedy more. Like, and we can talk about this more in depth a little bit later, but like about whether or not this movie qualifies as a spoof or as like, cause I think in some ways it does, but like it's one of my rules I, about good spoofs is like, it has to be, you have to be able to mistake it for the, the genre that it's spoofing, right? Like hot fuzz, great action movie that spoofs action movies. Right. So like the fact that there's a big sweeping Western score underneath this movie, like makes it funnier yeah yeah and I don't like i know if this is a spoof though i th- i think it kind of fits in because it has like big western moments like it has the moments where they're facing off against the like el guapo's guys kind of it's uh, uh it's certainly not in like the naked gun airplane like abram zucker school of of spoofery where it's just like joke a minute goofiness you know but like there is something about like it's it's at minimum a loving homage to to western movies and to what we talked about last week seven seven samurai when like, you say it's lampooning it <laughs> with john landis yes yeah. I, I believe he was nationally lampooning it yeah <laughs> um but yeah in terms of ways to start the start the movie that sustained high note yeah is is a hell of a hell of a movie. way to go but then um the the movie the silent film that we get to watch right up front. And this is another one of my favorite things is like doing, doing bad on purpose as a joke is one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. Like the way that it's, it's the, the lasso trick where he lasses the people and then he's like pulling them up. The, the bandits also just like so the comment. also just like the commentary on old media. I mean, like, you know, to bring it back to dead men, don't wear plaid. It's just like, Hey, look at this obscure piece of media that we're going to be lampooning here. Yep. You know, just like so you get the like historical pedigree of what we're going for. Right. You establish like what not not just who they are and like yeah. how they're seen by uh, uh, what's her name? Carmen. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's um, the thing. Everyone takes it so seriously. And they're all like like yeah. like rhapsodized by it. Like I, and I think 
meeting Carmen first and seeing her like watch the movie before we meet. Like if, if you just swap those scenes, because the next scene that you get is actually at the studio. Them getting mm-hmm. fired. And it's them getting fired. You know, Harry Flugelman kicking them off the lot. If you just seen that, if, if they had cut that, that scene, then cut to Carmen seeing the movie and being like, oh, they're the ones to save us. I don't think the movie works at all. Yeah. No. Like, it makes Carmen seem dumb. Like instead, now we get to see the movie first and see Carmen's reaction to the to the film first. Then it's like, oh, this is how people this is how everybody treats film. You know, like everybody's they they don't quite understand what's going on. And it's enough to kind of sell. But like, had we met the Amigos first and seen them get fired in the way that they got fired, like the no do no show stuff. (laughs) Like if we'd have seen that first and that's the people that. Like now, all of a sudden, we're worried about Carmen again. We like Carmen doesn't know what she's getting into, and like that's a that's a different relationship that we now get to have with Carmen than had we met the Amigos first. Well, that's and that's another thing I like about it too because I don't think the movie makes Carmen look dumb. No, like like there's the moment where they all kind of discover like later in the movie that that they're not for real that they're actors, and then she feels dumb. I'm sure, but it's like it's not really her fault. Like they're always the butt of the joke. Yeah, like they're them and El Guapo are the only butt of the joke. I mean, at minimum, they and the Germans they out dumb. The villagers, for yeah. sure. But, like, it's just so it, they show up so cluelessly <laughs> like that. But, no, I yeah, I, I, and I think that's the point of showing that film, right, up front is and seeing the audience react to it and be impressed by it. And, like, they're, you know, um, at that point it becomes... Like, like I said, I mean, at that point, like, I'm not worried about Carmen. Like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, you poor woman. <laughs> but I also, I like the scene right after that, too, where she's, like, writing the, or I don't know if it's uh, before there, we see the Flugelman, Flugelman scene, but she's, like, writing the note, the and they're, they're cutting it, so uh, it's cheaper. The 10 peso the version. 10 peso. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if, like, again, I don't know, I don't want to read too much into it, but I wonder if that's, like, some kind of commentary on, like, what's lost in the edit, you know? Because, like, you just edit something over and over too many cooks yeah. in the kitchen and then it's in this it, it's also like there's a breadcrumbs thing happening there that yeah. sort of justifies the rest of the movie right like we need to see her be enthralled by the movie then we need to see the the honest mistake that happens in the translation of the the uh, telegram um then we need to see them get fired in like the setup to like make sure that this situation makes logical sense is like it's all there. And well, it does all, make sense too when they like, read it. It's like, oh yeah, that does kind yeah, of I mean, sound like a show. And then you stop. It, like when so after they get fired, they're out on the street in their underwear, and they're like, oh, something always comes up. And then the guy shows up with the telegram immediately. <laughs> like that's absurd and hilarious, but it 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 makes sense because of all of these other breadcrumbs. Like I don't I don't pull on that thread when I think it was like, oh, he shows up just like right at that moment, like. That's uh, that's not a thing that I'm worried about when I'm watching it, because like all of the rest of it, the buildup makes makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk about the the Flugelman scene, too, because I don't I don't think it's like the funniest scene in the movie. But there, he has a line in it where he's like, uh, we mess with the formula and now we don't aren't making any money. And yeah. it's like, and oh, it's, that hurts in 2023. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> that is that is a real. I love, I love the, the Cochise picture that they're going to shoot. In eight yeah. Days. <laughs> <laughs> like we got to do Nobody it. Nobody cares about three Spanish landowners on a weekend in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Those darn amigos. I would watch it. <laughs> um. I you very much would. I saw an interview with uh, it was it was what passed for junkets in in eighty six I think, but it was just a quick interview with the three of the three of them sitting there talking about the movie. And Steve Martin was like, "I'd love to do Amigos too." Like now that he was like, "Now that we know who they are, and we don't have to worry about exposition, like we could just dive right into an Amigos too." 
I would listen. We need. I, I'm the biggest proponent of a good mid-budget comedy. I feel like that would be a perfect mid-budget comedy. I mean, how would they do it now? They would do like it would. They would get Channing Tatum and a younger cast oh. of, of, of Amigos. Wait, that would be good. <laughs> they would Ghostbusters the Amigos. Oh, <laughs> I don't need that. Uh, I think that ship has sailed. Um. So what else? Uh, well, I we have to talk about the infamous line mm-hmm. because I feel like that's another like moment where I actually like laughed for one of the first times. Infamous. Infa- he that means he's beyond famous or whatever infamous. they say. Wow. <laughs> but it it again it kind of like says to you like these guys are beyond stupid yeah. like they're real dumb. Right. <laughs> like, uh, so I mean this is a, that's why it's a hard movie for me to talk about because I every single line in this movie I I know by heart and I can giggle at and I love it. But I do, I'm still giggling at it. I just watched yeah. it for the first time. So it's not just you being nostalgic for it. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just my sense of humor. I just kept laughing at it. Phil Hartman in that scene, by the way. Yeah. Take the amigos' clothes. <laughs> then just immediately undress them. Yeah. Great. Sam, get wardrobe over here right away. Take the amigos' clothes. Wait a minute. You can't take our clothes. You gave us these clothes. They were presents. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like the next big moment is like the bird call, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I think that this is a movie that's built on on a couple of different styles of comedy, I think, because there are the individual bits that are really funny. And this scene is, is one of them, right? This scene is one that it's, it's the guys are waiting for uh, lucky day to, which by the way, we haven't even talked about their names yet. Lucky, lucky day, day, dusty bottoms and Ned Niederlander. Like uh, how perfect are those names? Dusty bottoms. Um, but so they're waiting on lucky to give them the signal to, to climb in when they're trying to steal their, their costumes back. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful little self-contained sketch. Like doesn't doesn't matter what just happened doesn't matter what's going to happen next. It's just like here's a goofy thing that hey you know it'd be funny I'll get up on the wall and I'll do this move. Um, and it's that's a that's a funny thing that happens in a vacuum. And then there are other which we can get to this scene later. The the My Little Buttercup scene is a a joke that's built by like three consecutive scenes. Like Mm -hmm. they they'll slow play some jokes and they'll pay off things that they started two scenes ago, or they'll do goofy stuff in the moment that that's completely out of context. But 
Also, I, I, I feel like I would want if the bird call scene went on for five minutes, I would have been fine with it. There's probably a version of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. I wonder if that release, exists. Release like, the five minute bird call cut. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but, but you're right. Like, too. And again, like not to repeat myself, but it just keeps telling you how stupid they are because yeah. like, yeah, because uh, uh, Martin Short and Chubby Chase are just oblivious. Yeah. They're just sitting there quietly listening. And you know, what the best part about that scene to me is, and it's one that I remembered last night watching it again, is it's it's quiet. Except for Steve Martin's hilarious bird calls. Uh, and then when he, at the end, when he finds like, hey, guys. And then the score kicks yes. back in. The score is like a, as they look up. Like, it's it just that little subtle bit of like, no, bring the music back here. Yeah. So here's the sting where you're like, all right, we're ready. Uh, it's, it's so funny how they brought it back in, you know, two minutes later. Cal, <laughs> um, yeah, what do you, so as the guy... That didn't want to watch this with his dad on Comedy Central. It's not that I didn't want to watch it. I watched it. <laughs> and then I didn't enjoy I it. I said what I said. I wouldn't um, go as far as to say I didn't enjoy it. It's just that, like, I don't know. It's not, it's not my favorite. It's not my favorite Steve Martin performance. It's not my favorite Chevy Chase performance. It's not my favorite John Landis movie. Like... You can like several things, well, though. But what I was, was yeah, going to ask, though, is, like, what, uh, what moments in this movie actually do stand out? So... So what does stand out is I look at moments like this from this movie as individual moments that mm. are individual moments that don't necessarily lead to a uh, sum is greater than the parts of the whole kind of thing for me. Right. Because like the My Little Buttercup scene is incredible. Right. <laughs> yes. It's undeniably funny. You can't la- you can't not laugh at that scene. And I I like that. But again, you also like. You know, I watched this like a, a lot when I was younger and I have softened toward Westerns in recent years. But at that time, oof, it was. Well, to your point, Cal, I don't entirely disagree. As much as I enjoyed watching the movie, I think I it kind of started to lose me around the like when they're infiltrating El Guapo's party. Yeah. Yeah. I think as a whole, it's borderline a little confused because you get to a point where it gets really, really, really absurd. Where like there's talking animals and the you're invisible talking about that, yeah, the good yeah, night that, Ned. Which, by the way, then, I'm still on board for that. Like, I don't yeah, know if yeah. everyone loved that, I but love I, w- I was like, this is this yep. is for me. But like then it it like. So it commits to the absurdity and continues with the singing bush and the invisible swordsman. And then I feel like it kind of like gets too grounded for how absurd it got when they start. And that's kind of where it started it o- to lose me. It overcorrects. It overcorrects. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I like and I, I feel like if there's like a comedic lull, like a, a, a time where I'm not like laughing out loud, it's during that kind of like stretch where they're like trying to save Carmen and yeah. stuff. Like they try too hard to go full Western there. That's my biggest, biggest issue. I so think- I get what you're saying yeah and to your point right like there's to compare it to anchorman mm-hmm. right there's the scene in anchorman where anchorman goes too far and then they don't ever like try and walk it back right which is like the the like west side story gang fight of like the news team and it just goes <laughs> nuts like, and it's just like brick killed the guy <laughs> and you need like, to lay low for yeah a you might need to get like, you need to lay low for a while. oh and, i can't wait for the anchorman episode yeah. and it's just like like that to me is just like so funny and then it like continues on right because they're still trying to like do that yeah and by the and by the end the dog is like talking to a bear yeah yeah, yeah. that's the thing you gotta like you yeah. gotta commit like are where, you gonna do it or are you gonna not yeah like, whereas three amigos it's just like okay that was like really funny but now we kind of need to bring it back to reality for a second Mm -hmm. and i don't necessarily know how much that works and again it's 
nothing about this movie is bad. It's just not in any way I would consider a top 100. I think even I, I on think the there's favorite there's, versus best. There's there's two sketch. counterpoints. I, I think number number one, like the idea that they could pull any of this off is absurd, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that they and so like spending a chunk of the middle of the movie with a singing bush and an invisible swordsman and you know the the turtle saying good night, Ned, <laughs> like that was such a choice. Like they had to build up turtle puppet and like you know like they they didn't just and the horses oh Oh, wait and my favorite part was the owl (laughs) yeah like that was that is a sequence around a campfire where animals are singing in harmony with the the act and like that is not a thing that like accidentally like the you know the tones skewed a little absurd in the middle is like that was a hardcore choice to go that way and so like in the spending a, a chunk of time in the middle being like that silly like, I, I think there's a there's a version of this where it, that's that's the reason that we believe they can win this to, at all, like that they can pull this off. They can make horses sing because the fact <laughs> yeah, the world we live in is like they are just like they're in a like himbo bubbles kind of like they're just breezily yeah. going through this and animals are literally they're, they're Disney princesses at this but, point, you know, because there's like the animals are singing along with them. So like the fact that we go there actually justifies them being able Ned Nederlander being able to win a duel with this German guy. And like there, there's a version of it that there, now the other, the other counterpoint I will say is that they were just doing whatever was funny in whatever given moment. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and, and the fact that we are talking about it in this detail, like they never did at all. And they're like, Oh no, that's interesting. You think that I thought it was just kind of funny to, you know, my eyes went wide before I pulled the thing. And like, that was the funny part of that, you know, but, I mean, there's literally an invisible swordsman. Yes. <laughs> and that's my thing. We're supposed to fire up. We both fired <laughs> <Swamp>. up. <laughs> so good. But like, that's my thing. I was like, I, uh, I was almost a little confused because I was like, is this supposed to be in kind of this different, like absurd world, like a himbo bubble that we're all supposed to be living in? And I'm still not sure after all yeah. that. Like, I don't know. It seems a little confused to me. Okay. I don't know, man. I still think that this like lives in the shadow of Blazing Saddles. Like, I mean, a lot of things another, do. Yeah, but like, I guess like what I'm trying to say is that that also is a Western comedy yeah. that like goes to 11 on like absurdity and jokes. Right. And like, I mean, like you want to talk about breaking like the fourth wall and that like they literally like crash like the musical set and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that never takes I, a moment to ha- to um uh level itself off right. narratively and that also is about a town that is under duress from a bunch of bandits that needs to be saved by a couple of idiots oh it's all it's yeah. all seven samurai yeah. right like it's you know it's a funny version of that of that trope for for sure and like i i will agree with you there on on like the escalation part of it like it it gets it gets to its weirdest in the middle which is an which odd is, choice. Yeah, which yeah. is which is kind of a strange thing. Yeah. Um but man, it's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> well, like and that's why I I that middle, that middle stretch is just so like the let, I mean, let's talk about the this the fact that that camp that camping scene starts with one of the with Ned asking, "How far do you think we rode before we had to go back for an ask for directions?" <laughs> Like, that's the kind of thing that makes me feel like this is a little bit of a spoof because yeah. it's like that's that's pointing on the it's 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 putting your finger on that trope of just like, hey, we've decided to be heroes. Here we go. Yeah. And they just sprint away from town. And then 
traditionally, like the next cut is them at the campfire talking about the plan or whatever. But then they go to the cut and they're like, no, we didn't ask it. We have no idea where we're going. We had to go back and ask for directions. But they're like and earnestly those eating bats. Yeah, and, like- <laughs> and they're eating bats. And, and then those directions include a singing bush and an invisible swordsman. It's, it's so... The fact that they are on this adventure is so absurd on on the merits by itself that why not, you know, and it's just like, but that is maybe, maybe that is the mistake that it made was like peaking the absurdity in the middle instead of at the end. Yeah. I think like my, my version at like, I think if they'd continued to commit, like, I don't know, maybe the singing horses would have joined them in battle at the end of the Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe they would have like, been yeah. in Amigos clothes or something. Yeah, like, I, I don't know like where it the goes. Escalation, yeah. <laughs> The turtle would have come up and like done some speech or something. I do. I do love also speaking of absurd little bits of humor in this, the um, the tableau that when we first meet El Guapo, the photography, oh, like that yeah. Arabian Nights kind of. I almost <laughs> forgot about that. I did laugh was, at that. It's like he's just sitting there saying like, yeah, no, we'll go back tomorrow. We'll kill him. And then he looks at the, the picture and it's just everybody's like pose just for and he's like. Perfect. And then he snaps the picture. I think that's another thing I like. I, I like El Guapo. Like the fact that he's just like not just evil villain, but he's yeah. like kind of chill he's a sometimes. Great, he's a great yeah. comedy villain. Yeah. yeah, he is. He's a great villain for a comedy. A good and like, like Alfonso villain, yeah. Arau is like, have you seen Romancing the Stone? Yeah. And like him showing up in Romancing the Stone and Joan Wilder? This is the woman <laughs> whose books I read to you on Sundays. Like he's, he's so big and charming and goofy and like putting that in the villain role of this movie. And like also like, you know, he's a director too. that did like water for chocolate and, and walk in the club. Like he, he made a couple of like these big sweeping romantic films uh, in Mexico. He's, he's a supremely talented guy. <laughs> and then he's also El Guapo in, in three amigos. He's and he's good so at good yeah. at it. Yeah. He's, he's an incredible actor. Like I, he's, just, I'm a big fan of that. And you believe that he is someone who would call himself the handsome. The but, handsome. Yeah. yeah. And, and his, his right hand man, Jefe is just, I don't know. I mean, it's all, it's all bordering on perfect. For yeah. Me. <laughs> well, like, and the thing is like, and oh, wait a second, he was, he was also in the wild bunch. Oh. Yeah. And El Topo. Mm-hmm. Sick. Yeah. He's Alfonso Arau. Is, he's, he's an interesting cat. Oh, I guess so. Tomorrow, I will take 50 men with me, find these three gringos, open their stomachs, grab their intestines, and squeeze their shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I've written down for notes is kind of to your point, Cal, like... <laughs> It's all moments. It's all just like, this was a really funny moment. This really was a really funny moment. Like the buttercup scene. Yeah. That is that scene is hilarious. But it's actually like three scenes. Yeah. And it doesn't end with the buttercup scene, right? Like the payoff, the the rest of the payoff of that is when the two Germans walk in behind them and they immediately gun down everybody in there. <laughs> Because the two Germans walk in, everybody, so the first German walks in, he's like, I've got some friends showing up, I should hope that you'll, you'll be, you know, nicer to them than, than this. Uh, and then amigos walk in and they, everybody's terrified of them and they sing My Little Buttercup <laughs> while an entire room full, full of tough guys is, is, are scared out of their wits. And it's and so the chilling. Germans, yeah. <laughs> Because, like, I think I said this too, before we started shooting, shooting, it's like, it's like Joker kind of, like, villainy. Yeah. It's like, these, like, you're terrified these guys are going to kill you, and they're just, right. like, singing and dancing and smiling in front yeah. of you, like. Um, and then the two Germans walk in and say, hey, look at the two little sissies, and then they just gun down, like, <laughs> half a dozen dudes. Um, like, that's the end of the joke. 
And that's, you know, four, four scenes worth of, worth of one big joke, which is like, that's hard. That's hard to do. It's hard to pull off. Fair enough. I, I can't argue with that. I know. Great. <laughs> I'm yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then of course, justified in, four scenes there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. Uh, and then the scene immediately after that is about the mail plane. Oh my God. One of the all time great. That was, I, I laughed so hard yeah. at that joke. What I think is, what is wonderful about that joke is it's, it's such a dumb joke. It's, so it's such a bad joke. It's, you know, what kind of plane is that? Well, I think it's a mail plane. plane. Did you see it's tiny little balls? <laughs> and which on the merits, that's a dumb joke. Right. But then the way that Martin Short is so excited to tell it and then he starts laughing, he can't hold it back because it's so funny. And then Lucky, you can see him like, wait, no, no. OK, this is funny. Hang on. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then you see him get it. And then Dusty never gets it, but no. then just starts. Chug- and so, like, it's one bad joke that explains all three of them. Like, yeah. they're, like that's a character based bad joke, which I think is just wonderful. It's my second favorite line of the entire movie. Yeah. And I can't wait to get to my first, my first favorite line. Uh, no, but it's a great moment. Like, and you have enough buildup too, because it comes right after, I think like, yeah, right after the whole buttercup scene. Mm-hmm. And it, like at that point, you're like kind of on board with, at least I was, like I was laughing. And yeah, it's, I mean, it's another in, the, in this chain of events that justifies the, that some of this is even possible. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, that's, that's the thing about Anchorman uh, to, to keep using that as a sort of counterpoint to this is like, this is a world, Anchorman is a world that does not exist, right? The three amigos is keeping one foot in, in possible, right? Yeah. Um, which is maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's, it's biggest fault. problem, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I think, it, I think it does it skillfully enough that the whole movie still, still really works. I still laugh the whole time. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I didn't laugh. I thought it was funny. It's just, <laughs> I love it. It's just that this episode is all about all three of us are like making an excuse for three amigos somehow. I'm, just, I'm like, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm sorry. Not, I love it so much. And you're like, I'm sorry. I don't love it. There's more than a hundred yeah. movies that I like more than this. Okay. Life. Just take it easy. We'll get there. <laughs> easy boy. Um, <laughs> how about the moment where uh, Hefe shoots Lucky? Oh, and that's uh, another and weird thing about this world. He apparently doesn't feel pain because he... He did eventually. Well, yeah. he, it's not until he like saw the blood on his hand, but it was really funny because he was like, he was, it was like he was scolding a child. Yeah. He's just like, eh, like holding his bloody You're hand You're in a up. lot of trouble, You're mister. <laughs> and then they all start crying. Oh my God. And the crying. I've been shot already. Yeah. And they cry so silly. Yep. <laughs> um, what else we got? What do we need to talk about in terms of like what, what works about this movie? Um, I really do like the party scene. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's in between, like, it's when the first hench guys come to attack, but before El Guapo, um, there's this really great scene where Chevy is playing the guitar and not saying words, but kind of just like screaming at notes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, that made me laugh. Uh, but this is a good time to get to my favorite line of the entire movie. Yep. Um, it's when he's talking to this woman and, and she's like, trying to get him to like kiss her and and he's like and he's being an idiot and he's like oh i kiss women all the time and she goes uh we could kiss on the veranda and he goes oh on the lips would be fine yeah <laughs> it's, it's so sweet and yeah. so stupid and so genuine but like to your point about the build-up like it builds up to that point where you feel like yeah like he's just a sweet idiot <laughs> yeah and there's a couple of lines there's a couple of bits of back and forth ahead of that too mm-hmm. that, like by the time he gets there it's just like you fucking 
<laughs> you but like, died. it's uh, you know, she's so clearly asking oh. to hook up, and he's just like not getting it, and he's like, "Oh, would you like to kiss me?" He's like, "Oh yeah," and then just goes back to playing the guitar. <laughs> Like, would you like to kiss me right now? It's like, oh, are you here? It's like, well, you can take a walk. Kiss me on the verandas. Yeah, let's be fine. It's so, so good. And, and that's it the just same comes scene. out so casually too. Like, that's, oh, whoops. Yeah. That's the same scene as Martin Short uh, doing that Dorothy Gish story, and all the all the kids are just and the, their interactions with the villagers is 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 really hilarious to me too because it's there's the the scene where they're they're eating at first. Oh, and and he goes, Do you have anything besides Mexican food? <laughs> He's, again, he's so genuine, though. It's like, oh, buddy. There's another great thing in, in the, the recent episode of, of uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast uh, that Steve Martin and Martin Short were on. They talk about this scene, too, where he's one of Steve Martin's favorite lines was, uh, I'm sorry, we're, we're not Mexican. We're from out of town. <laughs> I don't know. The, the fish out of waterness that they that they pull off in the movie without, you know. It, it, they're just so dumb and they just so thoroughly don't get it. Like until the midpoint when it's drawing a line in the sand and let's be amigos for real. And then mm -hmm. they start to, to kind of understand um, when it goes off the rails there for that, you know, three or four scenes. But um, one of the other scenes that was good too, from like a comedic perspective is when they're walking in the desert and uh, they're, they're thirsty mm -hmm. and like, they're just like, and then Chevy, then Chevy Chase takes like his out. He's like swooshing it around, <laughs> spitting yeah. it out. He's got the lip balm. The yeah, lip balm is so good. Lip balm. Lip balm. Lip balm. Yeah. They're just st sitting there staring like. <laughs> Martin Short <laughs> actually dumped sand, sand in his mouth. Yeah. It's, it's. I mean, it. it yeah, it, it's one of these movies that's got. There's so many, so many funny and memorable moments that they're all. It's like, like I said. I mean, it's. I could just do a table read of this movie. Uh, about all of the funny things in it because every like every square inch of this movie to me is is hilarious it's funny and like the it's it's weird too that i'm 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 glad to see that you watched it right now and thought it was funny yeah because there's always a part of me that like you know movies from the 80s or whatever or movies from my childhood are funny because they're of their time and they're not still technically funny but i just love them anyway for nostalgia but knowing that it is uh, that you actually still found it funny. I found it hilarious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I'm not I kidding. Mean, yeah. I mean, there's a, and I think too, like there's something to sort of the earnest stupidity of them that mm. makes it hold up because you can't, there's, there's a scene too, where, um, where there are, first of all, two things, one weird thing, and I'll get back to my point, but the, you know, what the hell's going on? Are there gringos falling from the sky? And then Martin Short Wompo. falls down and goes, yes, El Wapo. <laughs> like, that's so funny. But then, like, when they've got Steve Martin, before they go and tie him up, um, or chain him up, and he's like, I have three demands. And like, one, stop terrorizing Santa Poco. And two, and then he starts rattling off a system of dem democratic government <laughs> that he's asking El Guapo to Well, and to then he continues enact. to, and, and like, he, yeah. And he's, he's going, he's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, you have to vote for your representatives. Like, all of this stuff. <laughs> like, there's such a, like an earnest stupidity to them that, like, there's nothing... You know, there's nothing white savior about that. There's nothing like, in fact, it's making fun of it. Like it's this, look at this idiot, like trying to talk about democracy while he's, uh, and so that, I think that's one of the reasons why it, it holds up. Like there's nothing, uh, cause they're all so stupid. Well, and that's, I, th I think this movie could very well not hold up. It could very well like be offensive here in the year 2023, but it is because they are always the butt of the joke. Yeah. Like whenever I'm like, oh, it's like, 
no, no, no. They're making a joke out of these guys. Um, until like the earnestness, I think one of the reasons it works for me is they're just so good natured. Like the, the movie is good natured. And like somewhat like my favorite scenes is, is when they're all just like cuddled in bed together, the three of them. <laughs> and they're like, what are you going to do with your money? I want to get a car, a house. Maybe I'll like donate it to children yeah. or something. And they're like, oh yeah, I was oh, going to well, do yeah, that. I'm at the car after yeah. the kids thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like, they're like genuinely friends yeah. and they gen- like, they, they never really like that is, fight. that is one of the things that, that's interesting about the movie is yeah. they, they never fight with each other. Which no. you think would be an obvious conflict that they would fit in there. You're right. They never do. No. And there's no time. I mean, it's an hour 40. You know, there's no, there's no real time for that. And that's such a tangent to do. And there's no reason, um, you know, that makes time. You got to spend time up front to where you got to establish that maybe Dusty is a little mad that Lucky got them fired or something. Like, yeah. you could have built it in easy enough, but it needs 10 more minutes of screen time. But, like, do you need that? Does that make the movie better? You know, is that even what we're doing here with this movie? You know, but. Um, I don't think, you, yeah, you no, wouldn't need it. Not, yeah. yeah, I have to say the Should shooting be. of the invisible swordsman, I think is my, maybe my third favorite moment in yeah. the movie. Just all that. of the, the say the secret chance. Yeah. Oh yeah. Say the secret. <laughs> well, also when I was writing down, like I said, I just wrote down a lot of lines that made me laugh. And one of them is just, because that's the noise that the invisible swordman makes when oh, he yeah. shoots him. It's such a good, like, like just like aud- like audible comedy yeah. moment. <laughs> it's such a funny little bit of practical effects too, having the the, the, no. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the outline in the sand. Um, but yeah, all all of those all of those passwords and and then you know we both fired. It's like living with a six year old. <laughs> I mean, we talked a little bit about too how this owes you know Seven Samurai and Western tropes a lot. Um, Tropic Thunder. Was a remake of this movie, yeah, more or less. I mean, Ac- actors accidentally stumbling into to war, conflict. yeah. Um, and there's a version where like Harry Flugelman comes back in the middle, and it serves the same function as Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder. Man, <laughs> like just rethinking of uh, Tom Cruise as a Harry Flugelman is just again a better, better performance. And a better re-envisioning. Than Joe the, Mantegna? Yeah. Mm. It's a big... Fat Tony. Well, to, be fair, to be fair to Joe, he doesn't get what Tom Cruise gets. Tom Tropic Cruise Thunder. had two scenes. That's more than big Joe scenes. got. Yeah. yeah, they're big I, scenes. I, they're big scenes because he made the big scenes. He did. He had the prosthetics and stuff on his side, to be fair. But he did do... He was great in that. That's one of my favorite I mean, if, roles. If single-handedly yeah. revitalized his career. Yeah. If it, he really did. Like, if, hey, I'm, that I'm willing was, to make fun of myself. Yeah, that was... So. That was I'm willing to humble myself I'm after to be goofy and offensive. <laughs> yeah. So can I come back, jump. please? Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, but yeah, I mean, if if Flugelman, if this movie took place in the seventies or something, and Flugelman can make a phone call, uh, like you know, it would have been the same deal. You know. Well, speaking of Flugelman, we also haven't talked about the economics of this. How the guys are basically working for room and board, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty astonishing too in itself. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I feel like that's how the studio system worked in the 30s. You might be right, yeah. Back in the day, yeah. yeah. I, mean, that was I, don't, like, I don't know how standard that was, but for, for studios to own actors was not, you know, yeah. not unheard of. I mean, pre like 1960, the residual yeah. system was a mess. So That's like every yeah. production, production company that has a deal with, a, with a, a studio and has offices on the lot. Odds are it's in a bungalow that Lucky Day used to live in. Yeah. But I do <laughs> like the line that where Chevy's like, I, I would like to continue to work for free, please. <laughs> right. Right. And you could kiss me on the veranda. Lips would be fine. 
we can, we can talk about the end real quick before we, we we move on because I do think the end the ending is is it it sticks a landing in, in a real way in that it, it continues to it, it continues the fact that he gives the kid his watch yeah. because by the way can I have your watch uh, when you are dead wait that's another line I wrote down that was so Perfect. good <laughs> um what did he say um. And then he gives the kid his watch and then Steve Martin saying, telling Carmen, I'll come back for you one day. Why? Why? (laughs) It's so good. And that's another sort of full circle thing because we talked about it in the beginning. Like, it's not that Carmen's dumb. It's just that this is like she's unfamiliar with film and like it's but there's this moment of just like, no, no, she also doesn't get it, (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty great. Uh, And then the the woman that we haven't seen at all in the movie shows up. To kiss Ned. Yeah. And that's where that's where Martin Short, a little bit of Martin Short sleaze shows up because he's got that like kind of swagger mm-hmm. as he leans into the kiss. I will say that anyway. woman. And when I was like looking up the cast for this, I she's credited as hot senorita, mm-hmm. which is great. That's about right. <laughs> that's an 80s credit. If yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I play hot senorita. I'm here yeah. to read for the role of hot, hot senorita. <laughs> number two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also did so like the ending is kind of my least favorite part where I had the least giggles on the, my giggle meter mm-hmm. um, but there still were like the whole speech about like shyness might be your El Guapo oh, the God. lack of education might be your El Guapo for us El Guapo is a big scary guy yeah. who wants to kill <laughs> us who also happens to be the actual El Guapo <laughs> yeah and then you also get one last like El Guapo chill moment where he's like, that was a good trick. And then shoots. Yeah. <laughs> shoots Lucky in the foot. I mean, El Guapo is he's such a good. I, I, I will say being a villain in a comedy is tricky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like being a bad guy in a comedy is is a it's a narrow gap to shoot. Right. Because like you got to be easygoing enough to be funny. And you also have to be threatening enough to be a real credible. Yeah, exactly. To be credible. Um so it's the fact that he 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 pulled that off. So, I mean, half of the lines that I love from this movie are El Guapos. Yeah, you know? like it's so. Um, he came out of he came out of this movie opposite Steve Martin, Martin Short, Chevy Chase, like three guys that are at the top of their comedy game in the eighties, as just as memorable a part of the film as as any of those three guys, if not more. I mean, cut to you know. Me on Christmas morning, waiting for somebody to unwrap their sweater so I can... <laughs> it's a sweater! <laughs> the sweater moment is... Which, by good. the way, I found that sweater. Uh, like, you can get it on Etsy, but it's like 300 bucks. <laughs> oh, come on. Like, you can make the that The joke sweater. is not worth that. <laughs> it's also not worth me learning how to crochet or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, also, like, even the moment where they give him the sweater is kind of sweet, because it's like... Oh, well, and then we it cuts back to them, together. and they're all like... Oh. <laughs> so He's like, I couldn't ask for better guys. Yeah. Ah, it's incredible. <laughs> but he has um, like he has moments where he's threatening. Like you have the whole moment where he's like, I haven't had sex with Carmen yet because I have to wait for her rose to bloom. The plethora and, scene. Yeah, the plethora scene. Yeah. And and then he's like, oh, wait, if she doesn't do it tonight. I'll kill her. And they all giggle yeah. like, yeah. So he's like, you he's know, still a villain. And that's the other thing about that scene that I that I realized watching it last night. I haven't watched it in a little while. And then that scene where, you know, he's giving Hefe a hard time about the plethora. Like, I wouldn't like to think that you would tell me I've got a plethora when you don't know what a plethora is. And Hefe's like, I feel like you're taking something else out on me. And he's like, could it be that you're turning 40 today? And I was like, oh, Jesus. El Guapo's <laughs> turning 40. Like, El Guapo's younger than me. <laughs> like, when, when did that happen? <laughs> that was, a, that was a, a new experience for me watching Three Amigos last night. But I, I also did like that moment, though, him just being like, it was a very like therapy, yeah. like elevated moment. I'm just nah, like, I think you're projecting a moment. Like, that Garmin chooses to sleep in her cell instead yeah. of with you. Um, God, I love this movie. Anything it's else we need to talk about before we move on? 
Uh, I'm trying to think if we met. I think we got all the lines. I mean, listen, I, I think I think the, the best thing we can do is tell everybody if you haven't seen the three amigos in a little while, go ahead and watch it again. If you haven't seen it at all, like me, it's a hundred. It. It's a hundred solid minutes. Wonderful, wonderfully solid minutes. <laughs> when they come up with the scheme to sew, and I think it's Chevy who's like, "Oh, you can sew. If only we had known that before, <laughs> we would have avoided all of this." The amigos, amigos, amigos thing. Yeah. I love that they use the plot from one of their older movies. Yeah. Well, also that's the other thing that I they always hint is like at the like amigos cinematic universe in this, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's a whole. You could really dig into that if you yeah. wanted to. You shouldn't, I think, but like you could. You could. We don't but need they to. Were, they didn't. I mean, it's just a good play, right? Because like yeah. what they functionally were were like the three stooges, like mm-hmm. that vibe, right? So it was like one of the shorts that would play before the feature film. Yeah, I mean, I get. No, I think they were. I mean, they. I think it was I more Zorro than than three stooges. That, I didn't get that vibe. I didn't get the vibe that they were feature film stars. I think they were. I mean, well, they had a big billboard there at, at yeah. Goldsmith three Pictures. Had billboards. Well, and the and the yeah, one three German had feature films. No, too. they didn't. Yeah, they did. Mm, yeah. we'll, did. We'll check. We'll check into this. I'm checking this right we'll now. We'll decide continue, whether or not to cut this section con- out later. Continue, continue <laughs> your conversation. But I also, I, and then you have this whole other cinematic universe of like Ned being a child star. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. Little Neddy yeah. Knickers. Yeah. Yep. Uh, adorable. Yeah. I, and I love too that like the fact that their movie stars continues to play into the movie. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's sort of, you, they're stuck. You can kind of, they're painted into a corner, but then here comes the fact that their movie starts to save the day when the German guy's like, I know who this man is. It's my favorite star of the shit of a screen. Um, and so that becomes their way out. And then flying the Tubman 601 is another thing. Well, my stunt double did it, but I do. Um, <laughs> Not to be too much of a nerd about it, like watching this movie, it made me like want to play like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign where it's all bards and you can't fight at all. You all just <laughs> you have to like talk yourself out of everything. That is this movie. Yeah, like. yeah, for sure. So there was a single just, Three Stooges just one, feature three, film. Okay. And it only had Mo, Larry, and Shemp. Oh, so depending on who you ask, it wasn't a real Three Stooges film. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Curly. Fair enough. The best stooge (laughs) was never in a feature film of the Three Stooges. Okay. Actually surprising. Fair enough. Well, no. I mean, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's like why Looney Tunes were so big, too. Like, shorts were actually a thing. (laughs) It's amazing how it all comes back to shorts. Right? (laughs) Because, like, Batman... Superman, they all had short serials before features and stuff like that. That's like what they did in the 30s. You get a little show up for the cartoon. Yeah, add another penny to the ticket price. Right, 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 right. Um, All right. I think we can move on. Let's talk about movie lists. Ooh. So in my research, uh, there's not a single movie list that I can find that we've been (laughs) Like, that's awesome. <laughs> not not one single. Uh, odds are there's been honorable mentions. I know that I've I've cut uh, clips of uh, Three Amigos in as B roll from time to time. I'm sure there's been mentioned, but uh, this episode just by just by clicking on this video or or this podcast, uh, you've now participated in more Three Amigos discussion on this. In- <laughs> In the entire 10 plus year history of uh, Cinefix, as far as I can tell, we did it. We finally got around to talking about Three Amigos for like an hour and a half. 
Um, it's maybe longer than they talked about but, making it. Yeah, exactly. It's longer than the runtime yeah, of the movie. Yeah, you know? so, um, yeah they are all with the wrong curly. They're all the wrong curly. <laughs> okay. Um, so the fact that we, we've never mentioned it on a movie list, do you guys want to put it on any movie lists ever? Comedies. Gosh. Would be the obvious one. I don't Western comedies. Western comedies. Western comedies starring Chevy Chase. Would, you, would this be in? I mean, it's not. It's not a. What's, I mean, this is not a remake of Seven Samurai. No, it's a, it's a borrows heavily from homage. It's an homage. Well, is it? Is it? Top a ten spoof? heavy homages. Yeah. <laughs> Hormage. <laughs> It's like a cheese. Uh, I, we never did decide if it was. A spoof. I think you guys decided it's not a spoof. No, I, I think I think it is a spoof. You think it is a spoof? Yeah, I think it, I think there's enough western to it to make it a spoof. Well, there's enough western to it, but there's also enough absurdity to it. Yeah, yeah. and there's enough like 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 putting your finger on western tropes mm-hmm. that I think makes it. I think it makes it at least half a. If if it's only half of a spoof, it's that Is other it? half that's keeping its foot in the real world. Well, yeah. and they still have their heroic moment, too. Like, they have their redemption arc. Like, you know, it's, it still kind of has the through line of a Western. Right. Uh, it's a spoof. Is it a spoof? Sure. <laughs> yeah, no. I, Al I, abstains I, I, courteously. I, I, <laughs> it's like, I'm done. <laughs> like, I, I, I agree. I mean, because, like, at the, end, at the end of the day, like, I guess, like, a spoof is just, like, self-conscious awareness in the absurd, right? Right. So, like, like it's, it it's, aware of, it's aware of the rules that it's breaking. I mean, literally, they make a Western in the beginning of the movie. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't think you have a scene where a West, like a fake Western is produced and not be aware of the genre right. at all. Yeah. Spoof. I think, spoof. It's just, I think it's just barely in there, but it's in there. Yeah. Makes the cut. Yeah. Do we um, have a spoof list? Uh, I I want to say if we do, it doesn't have three amigos. It doesn't have right, three amigos. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's the the surest answer. Yeah, that it, we don't have a spoofs list because it three amigos has not ended up on a movie <laughs> list anywhere. So that I can how find. how many years you've been making lists on Cinefix? Uh, lots, lots. This a is few. the uh, this a is the first up. time. Here we go. This is the first time the three amigos. This is the most we've ever talked about three uh-huh. amigos uh-huh. on the See, channel. You don't say easily. You don't say. Take <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> Down. Sometimes even I get outvoted. <laughs> you don't say. Um. Oh, great! Real bullets! Oh, I'll keep this. You're in a lot of trouble, mister! <laughs> okay. How about some torf? We got time for torf. We've gone through a few. Have we? Uh, have we? we have we, blown we haven't some burned. We haven't burned through them all. Okay. We, I still have some torfs in the tank. Um, so let's go through them. Okay. True or false? Torf. Steve Martin originally planned to star in a musical adaptation of his screenplay idea. His songs written by Lauren Michaels and Randy Newman. However, due to scheduling conflicts and creative differences, the project was eventually shelved, and the screenplay was turned into a non-musical film instead. True or false? That feels like true. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with Clint there. I think I think at this because he I know it was in development for a little while and back in the seventies he would have been like live stadium tour kind of guy. So like I think uh I think he would have leaned into that. Yeah. True. 
false, oh, no. but I don't feel good about it. Oh, is it is it a half falsy? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so uh, here's the answer. According to Steve Martin, he originally t- hired two writers to turn his idea into a screenplay, but it quote-unquote didn't work out. It was then written b- by the help of Lorne Michaels and Randy Newman. The pair decided to throw the existing script away and start fresh along with Newman, who Michaels invited because he wanted some music in it and also because Randy's one of the funniest people I know, which is cute. Uh, Newman penned several songs for the film, including My Little Buttercup. Yeah, so it's like, it, it's... Okay. There's a, so it wasn't supposed to be a musical to be. Right. It was only supposed of, to have music in it. Yeah. Which is why Randy Newman was there. That's, that's okay. the true part, or false part. Yeah. Like I said, no, I, I think it's false. It. it wasn't ever supposed to be a musical. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. We went through that. Oh, for bit. one. All right, Torf. At the tender age of 10... Steve Martin started working at Disneyland. He worked his way up to Frontierland, and by the time he was a teenager, he had learned to lasso. Hence the short film. 100% true. true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's one that I stumbled across. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he said so I, in a D23 uh, interview describing his early comedy uh, influences. Uh, yeah. It's there's true. also a documentary about Steve Martin. It was called Seriously Funny, uh, and it, they did it, I think it was like a Comedy Central special or something like that that they did. Hmm. 25 years ago or something. They, they talked a lot about that. But like, I knew he worked at Disneyland for a long time because he grew up right next to it, I think. But. Yeah. It kind of makes sense. Like, I don't know. I get it. Uh, Torf. Uh, Martin used his dog's name for the invisible swordsman chant. True or false? Let's see. Go true. Uh, his dog's name was Farley? Yeah, he's a Farley. Far- yeah. Farley, 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 Farley. Huffar. Um, sure, true. Yeah, Farley. His dog's name was Farley. That's true, which I think is very cute. Yeah. Oh, I mean, now listen, uh, Chewbacca's based off of a Malamute, so. Yep. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, it's it's sitting there writing and be like, I need a name for the, oh, look, yeah, okay. Yeah. We named the dog Indiana. We named the dog Indiana. <laughs> All right, I think this is my last turf that we haven't gone through. Okay. Yeah, we went through a lot of them. Uh, in the Three Amigos silent movie sequences, Martin Short and Chase were authentic lead-based makeup. True or false? Uh, yeah, true. False? Do they really need to use lead? Or lead-based? Uh-huh. I'm gonna go true. Why not? It was the 80s. That's true, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, along with the use of lead-based makeup, the silent sequences were shot in a vintage Western filming location to add authenticity. I see this is why I think it's a spoof. That's what I'm saying, my, yeah. my rule of spoofs is you gotta, you gotta know, you gotta do the thing that you're making fun of, too. Yeah. Oh, one last thing. Yep. So the Three Stooges were in feature films, but <laughs> this they, is the real Torp. <laughs> but they were not in Three Stooges feature films. So they were merely the Three Stooges would have been characters in, in other feature other films. Feature but films. like the franchise of the Three Stooges, I feel like did we're not splitting beca- hairs here. I agree. Did not become a feature <laughs> film franchise until the I think 1960s. this all started because we were like, did did the Three Stooges have billboards? And that's something that we cannot confirm or deny. I think. I think. <laughs> I'm, all right. Three Listen, Stooges. I'm less concerned about that. Let's get it. Let's move on to the. That was the end of the torf. That was under, we, we, again. We went through half of them. Yeah, <laughs> we talked a lot it. about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was probably some uh, some. Uh, there was like the, the Twilight Zone the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who's your MVP? Oh, I didn't think oh. Martin Short. Yeah, Martin Short. I, you think? Absolutely, because I think he was just like the least known. Mm-hmm. And like he held his own with what at the time were two comedy titans and a director that has more than established himself yep. at the top of his game. 
Because again, this isn't the best Steve Martin movie. This isn't the best Chevy Chase movie. This isn't the best John Landis movie. It's definitely not the best uh, uh, Martin Short movie either. However, it is one of the earliest Martin Short movies. Yeah. And it's just I'll like... Him, I'll give him top rookie for that. But yeah. I, I got to give it to Steve Martin. Okay. Because he, he wrote it. Uh, he I think he carried the movie. I think he... Steve Martin is... Like, he's so good at being funny in a complimentary way right he's so he's so good at being funny around other really funny people and so like these ensemble casts that he's a part of and you know he's talking about bowfinger later like him and eddie murphy are like eddie murphy's doing some like bizarre shtick k-i-t keep it together keep it together yeah but then but then steve martin is like he's a he's a straight man that's also being funny which is not a not a easy thing to do you know um so I think I think he keeps the whole the whole thing afloat. Part of me wants to give it to El Guapo because of what we talked about earlier about how hard it is to be a, a villain in a comedy. Yeah. Um, and he's just so fun and charming. But I think it's I think Steve Martin. The fact that Steve Martin co-wrote the movie also and that he was like getting he was the one that got it made. I'm going to give it to him. I would agree with uh, Steve Martin. And uh, like and I, as much as I like Martin Short, I think of the three amigos, he's maybe the one who made me like actually laugh out loud the least. Like Steve Martin got a lot of laughs out of me. Chevy got a lot of laughs out of me. And also, like you said, Steve Martin wrote it. So give it Steve Martin. Steve Martin. Yeah. Fair Incorrect. Enough. Marty Short. <laughs> Watch me. Okay. Watch me. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that brings us right near to the end of the uh, end of the episode. So, Cal, do we have time for one more? Uh, of course we do. Okay. What kind of question is that? A legitimate one, I think. I do we so. have time for one more? Yeah, one we more, do. Uh, so, the year is 1986. Nicholas Cage is slowly beginning his ascent to Hollywood stardom. <laughs> he's. I actually think he's still Nicholas Coppola at this moment in time. Is he still Nicholas Coppola in the background of Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Well, that would have been like eighty-one, right? Yeah, something like that. I mean, he's close. If it's not, if not, it's 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 in the transition period. Anyway, who would Nicholas Cage be in the Three Amigos if they remade it today, or if at the time Nicholas Cage was in this movie? Peggy Sue got married. It was eighty-six. Pe- yeah. So. so he- so he was he was, he was he cage. Was, yeah, he was cage. But um I swap him in for uh for Chevy Chase. Nicholas Cage is Dusty Bottoms. He'd be good. I at think that. I, yeah. I think imagine how dumb Dusty Bottoms is. Yeah. But then you layer some crazy and some anger on top of it, and all of a sudden you're having to tiptoe around Dusty yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Like he's like a weird stick of dynamite that you're just kind of have to like, oh, okay. But I feel like that's more lucky though. I feel like lucky is more kind of like he could be the more the kind of darker character. Oh no, see I, I think I don't want that to be like I don't want that to be quite so front and center yeah. as lucky. Like yeah. that sort of energy off to the side as it being Dusty Bottoms, I think would be, He'd be I think a good would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think I want him in this movie, Nick. <laughs> Too bad. You got to put him somewhere. I know. Uh, Steve, I hate to say it, but Steve Martin is where I would put him in the lucky spot. Uh, But I don't like it. I don't feel good about it. I don't like it either. Kick him off to the side. I don't know if I like him as as Chevy, though. I really think Chevy works in this in a way that surprised me. I think it's it's a good spot for Chevy to excel. Like, he was put in the right place. Like, the dumb, he does the dumb, lovable idiot really well in this. Yeah. Um, Again. Nicholas Cage can play a dumb, lovable idiot. He can, he can. Uh, but that's—I'm going to stick with it, even though I don't like it. Okay. Right. 
Well, it's two against one, so it's yeah. gonna we're gonna put them in, in dusty bottoms yeah, uh, when we go back in time and, and mess with everything. Correct. You've killed the invisible swordsman. So, where indeed does this movie rank? I, I think it's clear where <laughs> I, I, I can't. It. I can't imagine it showed up on your list as you watched it for the first time. I mean, last night. if I could go back in time, I don't know. But yeah, Cal, be real. I, if you could even, go I don't know. Last week, we remember, we remember about that's the that's the. Last community. week we talked yeah. about uh, Seven Samurai, and I will sit here and say for the first time in the podcast, I was like, I fucked up by not putting that one on my list. I will say. Are you going to. No, no, no. Are you gonna, I, I don't. Here's my thing. When we were talking about, like, I also have a Three Amigos on my list. I think I have a lot of Three Amigos on my list. A lot of movies that you just love. A lot of, yeah. And, like, a lot Listen. of, like, stupid comedies, too. Like, I really yeah. like a stupid comedy, hence why I like Three Amigos. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I have room on my list for another Got stupid it. comedy. Got yeah. It. Okay. This stupid comedy. You don't know if you have room on your well, list. Well, like, I didn't, I didn't have, like, a. I, we know it's on your dad's list. Oh, it's on my dad's <laughs> list. But it's not on yours. No. Yeah. Uh, I had it at number 55. Okay. Oh. Right in the middle. Uh, where'd, Dan? Where'd Dan have it? Let's see. I know, Dan? This, gotta be on this Dan's is a Dan list. movie. That yeah. this, is another, this is another thing. It makes wait, me wait, feel wait, wait. Before you say for Dan, over under think top, it? top, over 35 or under 35? Oh, 35. I thought you were going to say 50. Um, I think I, it's I think, under 35. No, no, I think it's between 35 so and 50. under 35 and then he had it ranked 1 he through 34? He had it at 35 or lower. 35 or lower. I think I'm learning Dan's taste and I, I do believe, I, I think this is fairly huh? I think uh, between 35 and 50. Okay. okay. Uh, 59. Oh. oh. Yeah, to rank lower than I did. Wow. But in the same ballpark, which once again, I, I feel really terrible about. I don't, I don't like being in that ballpark with Dan. Um, <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> Nobody so, does. So where does that put it? But the, <laughs> Let's find out. So me having it at 59, Dan having it at 59. 66. That makes Three sense. Amigos. Number 66. It's a shame that there wasn't a third so, six there. So. <laughs> it's demonic. Now, let's go, let's go back to the season two community. Like, we didn't even bother talking about this with Seven Samurai last yeah. week. Do we want to invoke film. the community? We'll talk about that more. So, so what here's, is, here's the deal. So now we, we get a shot. If we all three agree as a community unanimously that we want to boot the three amigos off of our top 100, we can't. We have to decide that, and then we get to open the envelope and pick one of, I'm told there are, I think, three movies in here. So films to be considered for Top 100 in place of a struck film. So if we strike this film, we'll open this envelope and, and pick from the three movies that are in here to replace it. So we get to pat number 66. So we get to see all three of the movies in there. Correct. And then Where we get it's to, not us pulling in and then whatever one you pull out. I, I don't know if if somebody I mean, um, listen, if you're going to show me a mystery box and ask me if I want the three amigos or the mystery box. Should we do that? Should we, I mean, let's decide right now. Like Dan's not Dan's. Of I mean, course the three here, so. the three amigos is the three amigos, but the box could be anything. The box could be anything. So do you want to do it that way? Not, do we want to decide that we want to because listen. I, I think there's this is I, I love I will forever love the conversation about favorite versus best. Yeah. Right? Because there are two they serve two very different functions yeah. as a film fan and as, as somebody that loves movies. Um, so like I I would be willing to reconsider it being on the top 100. No. I love this movie so dearly. But if we want to. There could be any there could be any there could be. Any, there could be any. <laughs> 
There could be anything. I mean, listen, here's the thing. There could and be anything. This is now. why I can't wait to actually redo this list sometime yeah. because like, I think we talked about it before. We might've even talked about it last week in terms of like the, the camps that movies fall into. There's like yeah. the unimpeachable Mount Rushmore movies that like seven you samurai. have to, mm -hmm. seven yeah. samurai type yeah. things. There's movies that you just think are really, really outstanding and good and, and of, of like a superior quality. And then there's movies that you just love yeah. for reasons that maybe you can't for quite reasons. explain. Yeah. And I, I, I started this episode saying very, very eyes wide open about this is a movie this that, is a for reasons that I love this movie with my heart. So how do you know that you don't love any of the three movies in that? I don't. And heart. this is why I will continue to hate Dan until I, I die. He's the worst for this he's, because he's I'm terrible. really, yeah. Like, I, I, do you know what? I, I, Cal, I imagine where you're going to vote. Yeah, you know where I vote. I, you vote, wanna, you I, vote, I vote for the mystery box. Okay. And if we do this, if we decide that we're going to. There's no going back. If we decide we're going to strike it, we're just going to reach in and pick one at random. We're not. No, no, no. I, want, I think we should debate. You want this to pick is a, three? This okay. is a, like, no one. No one. We, the, if someone made it this far in the episode, they don't want to see. They don't, they don't want, want to see a random. A, shit. Yeah, they don't yeah, want okay. just a random. A random. All right. Entry. Fair enough. Alex. I'm I've been thinking I've not only been thinking about this the whole episode, but the entire day. Because and this is why I hate Dan right now, because I like so in the debate about favorite versus best, I like having like a weird wild card on the list. Like it's just something that like you and Dan love like and I ended up really loving when I watched it for the first time for this it, episode. It, it sounds like you have a couple uh, like, a couple of those on your list as well. I so. have more. I have a lot and I'm sure <laughs> you might want to strike them. But like I really want to know what's in there. Like. We can't find out until we make this decision. If you really want to know what's so in you're, it, so you're so you're voting strike. You're both voting. I can strike. I can vote for strike. I, I would be fine with voting. You strike. can because like want ultimately, to. ultimately, like I get it. Uh, three amiga in terms of and, and I guess it, it depends on on what we want to do. Here's here's our little bit of power over the algorithm, right? Like what this, kind of this list is our, do we want this to is our, this like is our ability power. to it's starting Dan. It's starting to become our list if yes. we get to do this. And so like, do we want those soft spot movies that frankly? Like aren't soft spots for you guys, but it's just for me. And so, like, I I get it. Like, if we want to make, a, if we want to take another shot at adding listen, one of those unimpeachably listen, good movies, all I'm trying to say is, you and I had to have to do an episode on the episode of the fly, and I had to fucking sit here and eat shit because. <laughs> The fucking fly didn't make the top 100 because I chose, chose video drum. Right. But you and fucking Dan collude over three goddamn the two amigos uh, uh, collude over three friends. I understand and I, that. And I have to sit here and look at a mystery box and be denied the, and be denied the satisfaction. I, of I, I understand that, which is why I'm willing yeah. to go along with you and strike three amigos. Do you want to though? I mean, when does that have, when is that ever? I'm a I'm a father of two. What I want does not matter, and it hasn't for some time. I also like it's hard because I also really ended up liking Three Amigos a lot. It's is great it on your list, yeah. and, then, and it's not on my list. And pulling it off of the top 100 does not change the fact that you can you are very I, much allowed to love Three Amigos. But like, it feels like it does. <laughs> like, fine, I'll vote strike. Okay, I really want to know what's in there. All right, here All we right. go. We're gonna strike it. Oh, Scott. Oh. I hope you're happy, Dan. I this hope is diabolical. Damn happy. This was the making of your own, your own demise. <sighs> All right, what do we got in here? Let's see. Do you want me to? There's like stuff in here. What? What's in there? Just pull it out. Just trying not to. I want to. I want to pull the most interesting thing out of here. Oh, they're all paper clipped together. Oh. 
Are they being oh. stuck together with gum? Let me see if I can get rid gum? of this paperclip out of here. <laughs> All right. So I'm just pulling this out? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay, the movie that we're Wait, going to- Wait, I thought to... there was three movies in there. There are three. Oh, we oh. want to yeah, debate Yeah, we want to debate, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That... Okay. Are there pictures? <laughs> oh, yes! Oh, my first, God. First up, bring it on. Come okay. on, come on. <laughs> see, I think you're happy you opened the box. Yeah. Second up, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh. Ooh. We also have The Sting. Not a comedy from. on these levels, but you know, I'm a lo- I'm I'm a fan. Uh, oh, there's there's four. Another cool sauce. Oh. Oh, okay. So we have four to choose from. Which which one do we want to? And now, like I, I think the deal is maybe we get to to put, we get to give one of these movies an option to to stay on the list. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, is like it, to is go it just, back in the box? Yeah, it's just going to go in place of Three Amigos, at number sixty six. Dan is telling me that I just get to pick one. You just get to pick one? It's just you? Yeah. <laughs> As a community? All right. Which one do we want to put in um, favor of, of Three Amigos? I will say that Roger Ebert called Bring It On the Citizen Kane of cheerleading movies. So just <laughs> sure. keep that in mind. Um, oh, God. There's some good ones. I, okay. I feel less bad about my, the choice now because there's some good ones in there. Okay. So. I'm less passionate. I'm least passionate about The Sting. Oh, really? Not yeah. Ikuru? No, I like Ikuru. All right. I would talk about Ikuru. So I don't think it's on my list. I mean, we just did Kuosawa, though. So yeah. it goes against your whole thing of, of only one director. It does. Only I, one movie per director. I think we're all leaning to I don't know if I have George. I do have a different George. That that Sting video, that Sting picture is there probably because of me. Yeah? Yeah. Definitely. It's a good movie. I it mean, is good. It's, it's not on my list, but it's, it's good. Robert Redford and Paul Newman just being sleazy and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crime movie. You know yeah. what? I'll say that Bring It On is one of my three amigos. I, that's what I was going to guess. Yeah. yeah. Here's the other thing real quick side sidebar that I, that I love about doing this show is that like we're, we can already immediately tell, bring it on. Oh yeah. No, yeah. It was not going to be Dan. The sting. Yeah. It's probably Cal. Yeah. Um, I think Holy so, Gr- Monty who, Python could be on a few lists. Is that you or is that Dan? I'm pretty sure I have Monty Python on my that's list. That's a Dan. It would, I, I, like would, I would be I very I, comfortable I would, having it on my list. Yeah. Um, and then Ikiru. How are you supposed to agree on this? I've never seen okay, Ikiru, so, so that uh, one is already out. Here's that could be fun for you, yeah. though. Here's what, here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, start making some decisions. I'm, I'm going to put Bring It On Down. Uh, now for what? You're going to bring it on down. I'm going to bring it on down. You're going to bring it on down. <laughs> because I feel like it's just another Three Amigos waiting to happen. Okay. Well, no, but I like for Three na- Amigos. Na- keep, keep in mind. It's not an argument against it. <laughs> well, just in terms of we're just going to wind up right back here. Oh, yeah. Take out of an envelope enough. because, because yeah. it's, a, it's a Love It movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Why don't we pick two and go from there? Okay. And then that'll, that'll, that'll like bring them down because then that'll at least remove two. Great. Okay. So I, I, I think removing Bring It On. Fine. And then I honestly like I'm gonna go ahead and remove Ikiru. Oh, I'm, I'm down with that because we just talked about yeah. Kurosawa. That, it's a it's a great movie. It, I'm sure it's a fine film, but it's not. We could talk about it later, though. I, is that I, on your here's, list? Here's that, right. is I don't that, think it's on my list. I think I only had one Kurosawa. I've got I've got three other Kurosawa films that I'd put. Maybe that's Dan. It must be Dan. It's got to be Dan. Okay, so if we if we all assume that it's Dan, it's definitely okay. it's out here. It's out. <laughs> I'm very sorry. To the EQ out there. Kurosawa. It's a wonderful film. It's, yeah. it's but uh, we've just we've just covered Kurosawa and <laughs> Jamie if we're gonna do another head. one, if we're gonna do another one, I'd, I'd rather it be high and low. Um, oh, yeah. oh, high and low is good. The Sting or Monty Python and the Holy Grail? I'm gonna vote Monty Python. You know I'm going the Sting. You know you're going. So you're the tiebreaker to me. Yeah. This is why I always like to vote first. Listen, if you want to <laughs> go, if you want to go whole Monty Python and the Holy Grail, I won't. I won't be mad. It's a it's just not as cool as this thing. <laughs> we 
caused a few It's just cool not moves. as cool as the sting. It I, is funnier. Um, <sighs> I'll admit that. And if we want to, if we want to have the you know position, what? if we want to have the position, we want to reserve number sixty-six for a comedy. Because there you I, go. I agree, we just like, replace like, one comedy with yeah, another. Yeah, because I agree. <laughs> like I had to, I had to. Um, when I made my list, I was like, "Man, I'm not this dour of an individual," and I made sure <laughs> I made sure to cut like ten and f- I cut fifteen movies to replace right. them with comedies. It's like let me so, just get like, irreversible out of there yeah. so I can <laughs> reversible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like ga- ga- Gasparno got cut Gas- for sure, right, right. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, okay. Like, well, I tell yeah. you what, let's let's keep number sixty six. Keep 66 Six, funny. funny. Okay, yeah. you know what? I funny feel good person. about this. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. So three amigos, uh, I'm very sorry. Goodbye. We're going with Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, Dan, you son of a bitch. I hope you're happy wherever you are. If you're still on vacation or what, I don't know. When was the last time you guys heard from Dan? It's been like weeks, right? I don't know. He's I, been furiously slacking me. Not Three Stooges movies. Three Stooges related <laughs> stuff. All right. Well, that that's going to do it for us this week uh it became a not top 100 not 100 the three amigos turns out was 100 it went from uh i do feel very much like the afi at this point booting something from 66 to unranked yeah <laughs> like 66 isn't like low either. no 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 it's it's not like it just barely made the yeah. cut um but monty python is gonna end up on on the list at number 66 and i don't I, you know i don't feel bad about I that feel good about I that feel, yeah. i feel all right about that but i feel better about that i yeah i know you do <laughs> Just give me a minute to <laughs> deal with it. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much for watching. Thank you guys for talking about Three Amigos with me. It, it's a movie that means quite a bit to me, and I know it was a chore for for some of us to, to talk about it for 90 minutes, but here we go. Uh, and then thank you, of course, to our producer, Tayo Yakin, and our 3D printer, uh, Tayo. Uh, excellent work there. Um, once again, I am taking those home with me. Jamie Parslow uh, set up all these cameras and lights, so we might as well say thank you to him too. But really, it's just Mariah Franzen's the only one of us that matters, yes, uh, our technical true. producer. So thank you to her and what is it? What is it? Doug? Who is it? That was, is there somebody else I'm supposed to thank? Doug. Doug. Uh, no, nah, there's nobody else. I can't imagine there's anybody else. Uh, but tune in next week as our community season uh, continues, where we will be going to a galaxy far, far away to watch Star Wars. Is that on anybody's list? I don't even know what that is. Here's some money. Go see a Star Wars. Go see a Star Wars. See if I care. Uh, All right. Thank you again, everybody. Stay safe. Be good. We'll see you next week. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season Two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you.
So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.